It's up. You're listening to part two of our bigger discussion of mental and spiritual first aid for people who have been hurt by unhealthy churches and people in between churches. We've decided to split the episode into two parts to make it more conducive for audio-only listeners. But the full episode is on YouTube as well. If you haven't heard part one yet, head over to Ezra's podcast, Theology, to catch up on our full conversation. Now back to the show. Hi, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ezra. You're listening to Church Rehab, a limited podcast series for the folks who are transitioning out of unhealthy churches. It's a collaborative effort between Jeremy, who moderates the podcast called Ponder, and myself, Ezra, who moderates the podcast called Theology. So in each episode, we'll explore some challenges faced by church victims, share sound theology, as well as resources to help you find a healthy, thriving church community called home. So let's dive right in. I'd like to bring our attention back to when you talked about how being salty doesn't, it, in biblical terms, doesn't mean, you know, going out to insult and mock and hurt people. Like, I think the, the biblical type of being salty and, you know, us millennial Gen Z speak of being salty are like two complete different things. And it's important for us to, you know, stick to the biblical definition of what is being salty, which is what you mentioned earlier, to preserve someone, you know, to preserve what is good. Um, I think when you were talking about that, it reminds me of when Moses went up to meet the Lord the second time after the sins of the Israelites. And... Uh, God, when, as he was uh, carving the stones and, you know, the, for the tablets and stuff like that, God mm. just said, uh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Uh, I'm quoting that because I'm in my mind, it's just God loves. And um, even as he maintains his nature of justice, truth, yeah. being true to his character, love is still there, you know. Um, all that to say, God is our example for being better shepherds in our lives uh, to the people around us. I think we, as we not compromise, as we choose not to compromise on uh, calling out sin and mm-hmm. helping to reconcile sinners to God, um, we don't forget that if they have professed to believe in Jesus, they are on the they are saints. Yeah. They are on the journey of sanctification, just like ourselves. And who are we to mock and be mean to them, be millennial salty to them when God is so merciful and gracious and slow to anger to them and to us, you know? So I would say we have to look to Jesus. We have to look to God at every step of our 
discipleship, well, however we choose to pursue um, the the call of leadership in our lives, you know, that's just so crucial. And without the without gazing to God, we just forget sometimes, and we turn to um, more quote unquote effective ways of leading, you know, by mm. being harsh and mean to the sheep, but, you know, losing the godly flavor in the process. And uh, you mentioned at the end there where you talked about how uh, churches that don't have a proper hermeneutical um, set of skills and the right theology will only plunge a believer into the devil's lair. And I so agree with you. I think the, when it comes to spiritual abuse and church hurt, I think personally, my focus is less so on the malpractices of the church, mm-hmm. but rather I think, I, I truly, truly believe that the root cause of all forms of abuses stems from bad theology, stems from yeah. uh, an improper hermeneutics and I think leaders who don't um, teach the gospel faithfully, teach the, teach the scriptures faithfully, um, mm. leaders who don't um, abide by, who don't meet the standards of eldership and leadership um, that we can find in the epistles, they, along the way, they will just be, you know, uh, misaligned by the world and by temptations. And... As a result, not just they themselves, but their sheep also have no idea how to um, climb back out of the lair because they don't have the tools. So this is why I'm very passionate about uh, good theology. I have my fair share of learning to do for the past uh, few months, a year or plus. Um, And it's only recently, you know, um, after hearing about all the moral failures of uh, giants in Christendom that I begin to fully appreciate how important it is and how crucial it is that even the most layman, average Joe Christian should know what they believe and how to interpret the Bible properly and how they should approach um, leaders in, in in a church world, sort of, where every leader in some ways expects you to honor them. And sometimes they, to be honest, they don't deserve that honor. They should be rebuked, but you know, no one's doing it. But at the same time, everyone's like all the leaders are honoring each other. And um, we just, we just have to be aware of these things. I think um, Nathan Finocchio, um, a theologian I truly admire said that, a lack of awareness is very, very widespread in churches today. Um, yep. And I, I, I believe this is what he's saying, you know, the lack of awareness, you just don't know what is wrong to begin with. That's why you would just fall for any winds of doctrine. You would fall for any kind of uh, false teaching. You would be subject to manipulation very easily. Because mm. you are that easy to be manipulated, sadly to say. Um, yeah. I think 
if there's one thing that I've learned from mental health experts, and, and I do appreciate you bringing up, you know, um, mental health earlier, you know, when you talk about being kind to yourself if you're the one preaching, because uh, you, if you're kind to yourself, if you question whether what you're about to preach is something that you want to be preached to you or not, uh, that's a good self-check. I think um, if there's one thing that I've learned from mental health experts, it's the interdi- interdisciplinary model known as the biopsychosocial model. So uh, some of the practitioners I've met have added another element. Uh, I think that, that is really befitting for what we're talking about. Making, uh, they, they're calling it the biophysiopsychosocial model, uh, yep. where we believe that spirituality plays a huge role in mental well-being of a person as well. So mm-hmm. with this framework in mind, we know that spirituality affects the psychological and vice versa. In fact, um, as you have expounded on earlier, I think most bad churches even employ psychological tactics to get members to fall in line, you know. Um, To me, the simplest example is a form of conditioning for uh, churches that have a very strong honor culture, you know. Um, So let's say day in, day out, um, pastors get up on stage and every time they get up on stage, the MC says, come on, are you ready for the word of God? Are you ready for the word of God? Imagine yourself hearing that for uh, 50 plus weeks every Sunday, every day, every Sunday of the year, you hear the MC say, come on, are you ready to hear the word of God? But then when the pastor or the uh, guest speaker steps up on stage, you hear 40% jokes, 30% uh, here's my family, you know, they show their family picture and whatnot. And then uh, they will show, they'll they'll go into maybe about 10% of scripture, uh, if not less. Uh, At most, probably one passage, but oftentimes less than 10 verses. And then they'll go into a moral story and altar call. So imagine this. You are being conditioned to think whenever a preacher on the pulpit speaks and opens their mouth, that is the word of God rather than the Bible, the scripture, rather than an uh, expo- exposition of what the word of God says. So to me, that is so subtle, but that is so crucial to recognize that whether you know it or not, you may have mistaken the word of God for the words of a pastor. And I I think more people should talk about that, actually. But um, enough about my observation. What are (laughs) some first aid you would apply to people who have been mentally scarred by their experiences? Well, I personally, I don't um again i'm not i'm not a full moat uh i would say there, there are three different uh branches within the, the psychological realm one is you know the counselor psychologist uh sorry yes psychologist and the third is psychiatrist uh the psychiatrist is always the, the top of hierarchy and so i belong to to the low category which is which are the counselors and so uh from a counseling point of view uh I would say just pay a listening ear journey with people 
um, it's the best thing that you could do ever. But along the way, in in the sense of journeying with them, uh, paying that listening ear, I would provide tools uh, to cope with their traumas. But if they're keen on kind of like rebuilding their faith again, for instance, they've been deconstructing all the way. All right. And they said, you know what? I want to reconstruct this faith again because I love this faith. I love, I love Jesus. So what if they come to me and say that? Um, I'll give them all the theological resources that they would need at that time. Uh, for instance, if they don't need John Calvin's uh, Institute, I won't give them John Calvin's Institute. Why would you need John Calvin's Institute at a wrong hour? <laughs> um, it depends on their need. And in the same time, uh, with all the theological resources, I would actually provide them the mentorship that they need so that uh, in return. So apart from, you know, getting the healing process going, it's also to, uh, for them to eventually someday take ownership of the faith, teach, uh, warn others of the falsehoods that, you know, that we have to endure as a church uh, and against the, the certain groups of calling themselves church or ministry uh, today. But if they don't plan on rebuilding that faith at the moment, I would say it's okay. I'll just give them the words of assurance and I'll tell them it's okay. Uh, but if you need anything, you can always talk to me, call me up, get in touch with me. Uh, feel free to open up, you know, as the time goes by. Uh, that time heals you by itself. Um, a lot of people uh, wouldn't be able to actually understand the impact uh, of their own experiences, in fact. Um, and, and as a result, it kind of like creating this form of animosity. And, and so not everyone gets to talk to them, uh, as in talking about these victims, in fact. Uh, and a lot of, I would say a lot of believers out there are still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word ignorant, because it's a very strong word, I would say there's so much to learn on how to approach these groups of people. And, and for me, this is the best example is basically this. Jesus had apostles and none of these apostles were perfect. So let's take one example. He had a zealot and a zealot is known for their radical views. They were freedom fighters. They can be gangsters. Uh, imagine a gangster in those days. Gangsters, you have seen a lot of things. You have been traumatized by some violence, uh, by some cuss words that you would hear along the way. But if Jesus eventually takes time to, to raise that zealot, who happened to be one of the apostles, what does that tell us about, like, you're journeying with somebody? What does it tell us about counseling, discipleship? First and foremost, they're not a one-off task. Second, damage has been done. Wounds have been inflicted. It takes time to heal. So here's an analogy, okay? Medical analogy for us. If you're having a tumor in your lungs, uh, you went to see a specialist instead of uh, treating you, uh, they observe your condition, the doctor tells you to take pills and then drink warm water and let it all slide. How do you feel about that? <laughs> you would probably be thinking, are you even a specialist? You're supposed to heal me. But you forgot that one expect of a specialist. If you get that kind of specialist, you wouldn't want it the same way. 
that these people don't want somebody who's just one off. That's it. Discipleship is not a touch and go card. Discipleship is not like ATM uh, machine that you, and then you go off. Discipleship is not like your Visa and MasterCard. It's a journey. It's a lifelong process. It's like a specialist who would observe a cancer patient. And you would have to go chemo. You would have to do this and that. With the, and the, and the, the specialist would get super patient with you over and over as long as your lives, as long as lives are saved. And you should be like that, an attentive specialist who cares for the patient, not that kind of somebody who tells you, drink one water and everything's good. Yeah, I think if I get to speak to someone who has been mentally scarred by uh, bad spiritual experiences, I think, uh, well, first of all, I think it's very important to clarify that uh, none of us are medical specialists here. Um, you should probably read our disclaimer on our show notes where we explicitly say that what we're sharing is just for education purposes, for awareness, and we're not your pastors. I'm definitely not ordained. Uh, we're not your. Um, we're not providing any form of chaplaincy or um, spiritual advice here. We're just sharing so that there is awareness in the kingdom of God, and so that we can all grow together and have healthy conversations together, and to be able to discuss and wrestle with uh, things that we wish has never happened, but they do happen. So I'm just a layman, but I would highly recommend that. Uh, if you, if you have been mentally scarred, I, I would highly recommend that you start with journeying with people, like Ezra said. Uh, I would suggest two categories of people. Uh, one would be a trusted Christian leader who preferably has been through something similar. And I would also suggest a therapist, whether they are Christian or they're secular. Um, I think it's vital for us to still stay connected with a Christian leader, even when we're not ready for Sunday services. And journeying with a Christian leader really helps with the spiritual healing that we need, as well as the accountability to reconstruct your view of Christianity, which is very crucial, especially if you're the kind who would say, I love Jesus but I just don't like the church anymore. I just don't feel like I can do with church life anymore. It's even more important for you to stay connected with um, a Christian brother or sister that you trust because you want to stay as connected as you can to a community and to have someone that you can go to with your tough questions to uh, wrestle it out, to get some answers that you need to hopefully help you to heal and learn to trust again and go to church again, whether it's the same church or another church. You know? uh, and as for a therapist, I would say Christian, secular, doesn't matter. As long as you speak to someone who's licensed and yeah. would, someone who would play a complementary role in nursing you back into a psychologically healthy place. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, I have my friends. Uh, it's cool, it's cool. My friend is a youth pastor. It's okay. I think you shouldn't uh, just yeah. go to your youth pastor friend. Talking to friends help, definitely. 
but I personally found it really, really valuable that uh, you talk to someone who knows how to lead the conversation constructively because that will help you to arrive at more meaningful conclusions. Um, contrary to popular belief, therapists don't cycle you into being okay again. Most yeah. of the time, the job of a therapist is to help you to think through your issues, um, however uncomfortable they may be, but that's where you will get your breakthrough um, in a very um, guided and safe way. Um, yeah, that's the mental side, mental health side of things. Back to more spiritual side of things. For starters, what are some crucial theological points that victims need to relearn? For example, if they have uh, recently left a oneness Pentecostal church, they would have to look in the Trinity, right? And if they used to attend a prosperity gospel church, they would have to relearn what the Bible really said about giving. So what are your thoughts on this? Hmm. I would say it's better to return to your fundamentals of faith. Uh, meaning to say, learn the what, learn the why, learn the how. So let me break it down. So the what, for instance, know your analogies, know the terms used, uh, how they begin, how the development began uh, throughout the history of the Christian faith. We have 2,000 years of heritage, by the way. None, uh, the questions that have been asked today, to be honest, they are mostly recycled. You want to know, for instance, why God allows suffering? There's, there are always resources for you. And uh, let, me, let me also point out that uh, a lot of Christians do not know how faith, what faith consists of. So it's made of five key principles. Faith, scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. They go in such an order. Begins with faith, second is scripture, third is reason, fourth is tradition, and fifth is experience. And that order, you cannot be revoked. It cannot be rearranged or amended freely. Also, know what your Bible is all about. But let me break this to you. The Bible is not about you. And neither it is about anybody apart from the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Now, I've just explained the what. Let's talk about the why. Why? Know the reason for the existence of the Bible, the doctrines, the traditions of the Christian faith. Why there is a church why there is a creed, why there is a confession, why do we say certain things, why do we pray the Lord's Prayer, know the reason why we believe, what we're believing in, concerning our faith above our own experiences. And then, last but not least, we go into the how. Make known to ourselves of a proper Christian gospel-centered living as the scripture teaches us. This is, this, this is not about your pastor anymore. This is not about whatever revelation that people pours to you. This is about what scripture teaches you. In particular, in regards to how to live for the glory of God and loving our neighbors as ourselves, but also learn how to stand firm, make defense, and take ownership of the faith when there's persecution, when there's heresies, when there's cults and infiltration of the secular culture. That's great, man. Um, say you're talking to a victim who's ready to look for a new church. What are some criteria that a healthy church would meet and what should um, our listeners be looking for? Uh, well, it, it depends on what healthy church should be, but I would generally uh, describe it 
in a way that if you grow in faith, if you're happily discussing the Bible, uh, if you're happily discussing the sermon uh, with your critical thinking, with your creative thinking, uh, of course, with the leaders, the, the preachers, the members themselves, in fact, um, and of course, finding yourself in a constant critical discussions about, you know, with your church and community, I mean, about, you know, what's the scripture? What is the doctrine? What is this and that, you know, and, and how does this, these things relate to my life as a believer? And if you also have that freedom to roam around outside of your community, to be honest, you are in the right church. Right. Uh, so there's this book that I've been trying to finish up. It's called A, a Church Called Tove, written by Scott McKnight and Laura Beringer, which I really highly recommend everyone to read. Um, on a surface level, according to Scott McKnight, Tove is a Hebrew word for good or goodness, but there's a much deeper meaning to it that we probably won't have time to get into right now. Um, essentially, there's a significant section in the book where the authors highlighted seven key elements of a Tov mm -hmm. culture in churches. Empathy and compassion to resist a narcissistic culture, grace and graciousness rather than a fear culture, putting people first, truth-telling, justice instead of just unhealthy loyalty, uh, mm. service as opposed to celebrity culture, and Christ-likeness to resist the leader culture, or uh, as I would call it, the leadership gospel. Um, why, why do I bring up this? I think these are key elements of a Tov church, of a good church, and I think Mark Devers' Nine Marks of Healthy Church would, uh, alongside with you know these seven key elements of a Tov culture, really serve as a fantastic guide when you're evaluating a church. Um, yeah, so definitely read Mark Devers' Nine Marks and read A Church Called Tov. I think these are um, books that I have really come to appreciate more and more because they speak to a lot of things that many people are afraid to talk about. Um, I especially commend um, a church called Tov because Scott McKnight went as far as naming certain churches and leaders, which is very daring for him to do. I, if I'm writing a book, I would never ever name someone out like that. Um, and yeah, could you recommend some theological and mental health first aid resources to our listeners who identify with what we've talked about today? Uh, I think I like what you said earlier. Uh, first and foremost, I would recommend doing a checkup on your mental health. Um, how's your mental being? How are you doing personally? Um, go for counseling, go for therapy. Just don't fret upon like, oh, whether it's a Christian, uh, biblical, secular counseling. Don't, you don't have time to think about that. You only have the time to actually heal yourself and be intentional with that. Um, Sometimes we, we kind of like, you just, you just don't know who God would use. Um, and I personally believe that God can strongly use anybody on anything, uh, including the secular means to actually deal with people. Um, now, of course, you kind of like, why, why, am I, you know, why am I recommending all the mental health checkups instead of trying to recommend some, you know, theological uh, stuff? Uh, okay, put it this way. There's a research statistics done in South Korea um, is done by a theological seminar affiliated to 
a Presbyterian church. And, and the statistics suggest that there's a pandemic of cults and false teachings happen. Uh, whenever that happens, it mentioned that often they're not cult ex cult members. They often suffer depression, they suffer trauma, and they will show signs of hostility towards the Christian churches in general. So this can be passed on towards their next of kin, their offspring, and to no surprise today, you know, I mean, if you go to South Korea today, there's a booming number of conversion to either Buddhism, uh, shamanism, or often they're not, atheism, agnosticism, and it's growing day after day. Um, and I recall this pandemic of apostasy that happened somewhere in the 90s, in fact, um, in South Korea, where Christians left the faith because of corruption, because of abuses, uh, various cases of manipulation that happens within the churches throughout the country. Um, and so in addressing this, a lot of mainline churches in South Korea, uh, they developed some form of counseling ministries. Uh, they developed shelters for those who have been hurt, abused, uh, and, and they've been manipulated by cults and cult-like environments. And these, these are the places where these ex-cult members can go to for refuge. And they would do their best. They have a protocol, they have an SOP, um, and some of them are in collaboration with the government of South Korea, in fact. Um, in Malaysia, let's talk about Malaysia, the context that we are in. Um, although there are many churches that uh, provided special counseling ministries, pastors are always told to have a list of contacts. And I recall back in seminary, uh, the first one of the things that we have, should have, in fact, apart from context of funerals, uh, marriage registrar is to have a list of psychological services on our contacts. And that happened before I graduated. I had a long list of those. Um, and if you ask me, uh, have I recommended any? I've done it. Um, and another thing in Malaysia that also recently happened is the founding of National Association of Christian Counselors, uh, Counselors Malaysia, which I'm also affiliated to. Uh, they are seeking to train lay counselors. And that means counselors who are not pastors, who are not elders, who don't even have a psychological background. You can always come and join and be trained to be a counselor. Um, and one of their vision is always to build counseling ministries across churches in Malaysia. Itself. So again, going back to the topic, don't fret about going for mental health checkups. Don't fret about going for counseling. Yeah, I would say I would say this. You need more than that. You need more than what you thought you wouldn't. So apart from that, I okay, this is where theological things coming in. Uh, if you are reconstructing your faith, go for Bible study meetings uh, outside of your church, outside of your environment. Go for something like Bible study fellowship. It's a good place to uh to actually rekindle your love for the scripture rekindle your love for the faith um also check out some phone uh, phone apps like rts uh mobile which is an app by reformed theological seminary they have a lot of good stuff in there uh tells you uh jeremy will explain that later because he's been a fan of that um <laughs> and, and uh let me think of another few more so uh to tap uh which has a lot of big questions like you know uh 
does God exist? What are the existence? Uh, how do you talk about the existence of God to non-believers and all these things? And then there's another app called Master Lectures, uh, another theological pack app. And then uh, for apologetics, there's Reasonable Faith by Dr. William Lane Craig, who is one of the best uh, Christian philosophers. And then Bible Thinker by Mike uh, Winger. And there's another app called Biblical Training where you get the pastoral expect the theology. Yeah. Right. Um, I think I will, my recommendations would probably be, the first one would definitely be Bible Project. I think um, Bible Project is just such a wonderful resource for uh, modern churches, modern Christians, because you, it's, I would say it's almost like a survey of uh, on biblical theology, on word studies, and on um, certain key aspects of Christianity that um, sometimes would take a pastor weeks to go through on Sundays, but uh, they manage to pack it into just a four or five minute video. And um, they have, I, th I think it's just so accessible for whether you are familiar with theology or not, whether you have like read through your Bible or not, I think it's just a wonderful place to start in um, building up your theology. And uh, like like Ezra said, Theosu. I am such a huge fan of Theosu by the Finocchio brothers and their friends. So Theosu is sort of like Skillshare for um, theology. Um, imagine. Um, a seminary professor condensing a semester worth of courses into like uh, eight lessons, uh, six hours worth of lectures. And you essentially get like a very high view, uh, a very top line view of um, certain important aspects of theology. For example, they have um, a lecture series on systematic theology. They, they have a series where they also go through uh, every book of the Bible. And um, on every month, they also upload um, a new video series where they do hot topics. Like they will talk about deconstructionism, um, critical theory, uh, woke theology, or even uh, things that are more spicy, even in conservative churches and um, you know more non-denominational churches like women in ministry. So I really highly recommend it. It's very affordable. If you are paying for Netflix, I think you can afford paying for Theosu. Um, on the counseling side of things, I I will have to um, recommend MMHA. Um, they're based in TDDI. They are really fantastic, actually. They um, do check them out. They have some very legit um, counselors and therapists. Uh, if you are having, if you have financial constraints, I would say look up for Monash Student Practicum Counseling Services. Their handle, if I'm not mistaken, is at Monash M O P C. So what they do is they um, they are students who are finishing up their degrees or masters, I can't remember, they will have to do practicum. So what they do is they also offer free counseling services so that they get to grow as um, therapists and you get free counseling sessions. I think it's a win-win. You should definitely check yeah. them out. Uh, and then when it comes to self-help, I would say look up books that teach you just the foundational truths of Christianity. 
I really love R.C. Sproul's Essential Truths of the Christian Faith because uh, it's written in a very, very concise format. I would say it's essentially systematic theology for the lay people. So every you can just read it devotionally, like day one, you learn about the nature of God. Day two, you learn about what is special revelation, general revelation. Um, so very, very easy to read. Go for it. It is a little bit Calvinistic, okay, not a little bit, it is Calvinistic <laughs> leaning, but, um, you know, truth is still truth. Um, and of course, if you fancy it, I'm just going to plug it. Look up our podcast, our individual podcast. Look up the Theology, look up Ponder Podcast, where we try our best, you know, to be faithful to our calling and use our gifts to um, have meaningful discussions on the podcast format and try to answer and uh, talk about difficult topics as well. So we are going to wrap up. So before we go, Ezra, do you have any encouragement for our listeners who need these first eight tools? Yeah. uh, I'm going to take a bit of a breather because this is going to sound very unpopular. But there's a there is a beauty in the construction, but uh, before before that, though, just don't take me wrong. I'm not condoning apostasy. Uh, I'm not trying to tell you that you time to move to the liberal side of Christianity, time to move into the progressive Christianity, or or you know embrace those new age beliefs. But when I said the construction, I mean to say, learn to ask questions. Uh, but if you're always being a critical person, always ask questions. Uh, of course, study theology. Be hungry for the word. Uh, don't keep depend on the pulpit or some random Bible study, but you need to start studying for yourself. Okay? Do an audit courses. Uh, audit courses in theology, biblical studies, there are plenty. Okay? Uh, if you don't have one, you can always come to us, write to us uh, on our personal podcast. We can never, you know, uh, I'm just going to chip in my email soon. Um, and of course, I would say don't give up on church. Find a community that you can be part of. Uh, leave the community that you were once part of, okay? Just like what Jesus says, if the head of the household is called Belzebub, shake the dust off your feet, never return again. Um, and hmm, I, I recall a, a good friend of mine, in fact, um, he used to grow up in a church that, that is affiliated to the New Apostolic Reformation. And in fact, uh, which is a, I won't say, I'm not sure we want to call it a cult, but to, personally for me, it is a cult because there's a cult like in cultish behavior. In fact, um, it's based on the writings by a scholar by the name of uh, C. Peter Wagner. And talking about New Apostolic Reformation or NAR in short, uh, they advocate for the revival of offices of prophets and apostles. So if you have bumped into people with their title, prophet this, master prophet that, apostle this, apostle that, uh, they belong to that. Uh, and then anything they preach is always an advocacy for signs and wonders. And the issue here is this. Uh, all the ministries that they've done, a lot of people have suffered manipulation. Uh, by these people uh, for this friend of mine uh, he was given like various prophecies 
various revelations, and then later he found himself being isolated from the reality of the world around him. And, uh, worse, when he read that the scripture has described how the offices have ceased, Whew, he felt extremely appalled. Uh, he was just so upset after that. He would grow into the stage of grieving. Um, but I applaud him for being wise because when he left that community, he found another community and then he started reconstructing his worldview and then he even went to a theological seminary. And so today he's a pastor, he's a Bible teacher, he's a theologian, and often he'll warn and disciple people of the spiritual dangers of the NAR and what they preach. Um, but hopefully in this podcast series, uh, we'll cover more in NAR or other cults. But let me point out something here uh, before I wrap up. So discover theology, learn biblical studies, uh, and I'm talking about like criticism, not just commentaries, but textual criticism. Basically, it's all about like, you know, what are the common critical things, for instance, like why does the Bible condone polygamy in the Old Testament? And then the New Testament, it says you need to be a husband, one wife, whatsoever. And then also learn about the defense uh, against the te- defense for the text. Um in the midst of the world where, you know, we have false prophets, we have false teachers, false apostles, they constantly appear day after day, and then they start deceiving people from the truth of God. We need to be discerning at all times and always make ready for the defense of the Gospels against their view. So, again, another thing is as well, go visit churches, explore churches around. Uh, don't care about denomination. If you've been in the for instance, you've been hurt in the Reformed Church. Uh, you can always go to a non-Reformed Church, and don't worry about that. Uh, if you've been in, hurt in a non-Reformed Church, you can also explore the Reformed side of things. The, the church is a diversified body of Christ, and don't be afraid of that. Um, there are also a few faithful churches around, regardless of their denomination, whether they're Reformed, non-Reformed, uh, emerging. Uh, I may be controversial for saying emerging, but uh, anyway. Um, there are churches out there, regardless of who they are, what they are. They are true to the preaching, the application of the word. Um, and also, feel free to drop us some comment. Uh, this is where I'm going to send my email to you. Uh, write to me personally at ezrajalin at gmail.com. So let me spell that. E-Z-R-A-J-A-L-I-N. So I repeat that. E-Z-R-A-J-A-L-I-N at gmail.com. Uh, I'm more than glad to actually talk to you, provide some lists uh, of churches from various affiliation. Uh, I'm more than glad to hear your stories as well. Uh, I'm always attentive for that. So, yeah. That's great. Uh, for listeners, I guess I would just want to say, don't give up on church and certainly don't give up on Jesus. Uh, I personally have been in an unhealthy church before and it left me in a terrible place. I stopped talking to God for more than a year. Uh, this was before I found another church. So if you're tired and you're frustrated with what you're going through right now, uh, just know that I know. Uh, I'm sure Ezra would have his personal experience with this sort of things as well. And we understand. And we've been there. So take time off if you need to. Uh, but don't give up on church because it's, just inseparable from our faith. Um, I personally am not too uh, 
I don't place a lot of emphasis on denominations. I think that's an mm-hmm. entirely separate conversation to have. I find myself very much agree with um, what this youth, Christian YouTuber Ruslan said. Um, he called himself a theological mutt. Uh, he has been, uh, he said he has learned so much from reform people, from Baptist people, from charismatic, um, from non-denominational pastors, that they, that he just wants to be fed where Jesus is in that church, you know. Uh, mm. I agree with that. I fully agree with that to a point where I, I don't feel like I want to necessarily affiliate myself fully with a particular denomination. I want to be yeah. a historical orthodox confessional Christian. And as historical orthodox confessional Christians, we believe and hope in the return of Jesus Christ. Um, as it is written in the Nicene Creed, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And we also affirm that though there are millions of local churches around the world, we are all a part of one universal and apostolic church. Uh, all that to say Jesus is coming back for his bride, uh, the universal church. We have hope that Jesus is returning soon, but in the meantime, Christianity doesn't work outside of the church. And however marred, broken, corrupt, hurtful the local churches are, we still need to remain in this body of Christ. So I want to say, look for a healthy church to commune with once again. If they teach the gospel and other sound doctrine faithfully, if they pray and worship in spirit and in truth, if they baptize and partake in the Holy Communion, and if they care for everyone within their fellowship and evangelize and take care of the needy, then there's a very high chance that you're looking at a healthy church. Um, yeah. Of course, like um, leaders and all that, we'll talk about that uh, on another episode uh, because these are often things that you can't really tell until you are able to remain in that environment for uh, for some time to evaluate objectively. Um, but yeah, these are the most crucial pillars of a church, you know, the word, yeah. prayer, worship, um, the sacraments, um, care for the uh, community, and, you know, evangelism and arms, mm. very important. Uh, so yeah, if I can leave you with something, I would leave you with this. Look to Jesus, seek wise counsel, go back to the time-tested foundations of Christianity, and just remember that the body of Christ is full of sinners, including ourselves. We are sinners and saints. Uh, if you like it, scoundrels and saints. <laughs> but we have a savior who's greater than ourselves and we can trust him. Yeah. So that's it for this episode of Church Rehab. We hope you've learned something. We hope that this has sparked some interest in you to have healthy conversation within your community about how to get people who have uh, been hurt and injured to come back to church again and to be connected to the body of Christ again. Thanks for listening to Church Rehab. 
We hope you found this episode helpful and informative. If you like what you've heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify and Instagram at Theology and Ponder Podcast. Take care. God bless.